Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Welcome to episode 132. We made it. We did. We're here. All of us. Yes. Today, if you're watching on drop date, is August the 9th. Well into the school year now. Kids you know, are back. You know, they won't know this. Who? Uh, them. Oh, the people watching. Uh, they won't know this, but it'd be interesting to me to know if they could tell that we're in a different place. No. Even though it looks the same. It looks like the same log cabin. Yeah, but it's not. <laughs> it's, it's not, not the not. same. We are, we're in a different log cabin. We pulled that wall <laughs> and we just brought it with us. <laughs> we took it to a different place. We are in a new room, for those of you watching, and uh, we're much more spacious. It feels here. a little more spacious We feel us. spread out. Jason stills higher than everybody else well that's that's as it should be <laughs> sitting on the throne yeah the throne that is actually broken yeah look at this did it. you see this I, I discovered that as we were moving that this arm on this chair like everything around community christian church it has got something it's jacked up it's not quite <laughs> i could just pull this right off yeah, right here could. and and just I don't know. I but, can't think of the what what it's aligned from. It's a book or it's a movie where the person goes, "You sit on a throne of lies." I do. <laughs> I'm I'm now thinking this whole thing's going down at any moment. This this nice looking sturdy chair is not so sturdy. I, it, I should say, as the the person from the family movie that podcast is from the movie Elf. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. I, I, I Buddy the Elf so says it's Santa Claus. You're, you're so clever. You sit on a throne of lies. Yes. I, I know lines from movies. I just never know where they come yes. from. They're just, but the savant over here. That's why I, I, I knew that one, and I, I, I should say it. Okay. I try not to quote movies too much because I don't know where I have them in my I head, know. but I don't know where I they know. come from. Me too. So, all right. So here we are. Uh, for those of you uh, new to this, uh, that's the that's the pointless banter yeah. section of the show. <laughs> that that would be better placed on the family movie podcast, which is also in his feed if you want it. It but, would uh, enjoy that. But for us, this is a podcast where we, the teaching team here at Community Christian Church, try to answer your questions, help you think more like Jesus, and respond like Jesus in your world. And we got a question. Actually, today's question comes to us from something we said several weeks ago that they want us to clarify. Because oh, we probably... I thought, I thought they were angry! No, no, we probably <laughs> just... Because we say so much. We said something, they went, wait a minute. Which often happens. I, I do that a lot. I'll say something or I hear well, something. Well, it's say, very possible we said something that was incorrect or that we also <laughs> yeah. did not mean. It exactly. Just came Feel out free. If you want to correct us, we will admit it once we agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> How obvious was that? But yeah, um, I do remember us saying this on a, a podcast a few weeks ago, and I do get where the question comes from. So I'm going to read it. It was a it was a podcast where we talked. Uh, maybe it was I can't remember if it was the point of the podcast or part of the answer was about heaven. Somebody wanted us to talk about that for a moment. Um, so here's what the questioner asks anonymously again. Okay. In listening to the podcast about heaven, I feel like I heard you say that did, did, there was was there something in that question that made you make your voice yeah, go up Jay, like that? Jason was, I, well, feel I, feel like. I, I think they're trying to be nice. Oh, okay. And, uh, but you don't have to be. You can just say y'all screwed up. Y'all said something I don't I agree think with. That but since, that's okay. it, since they're trying to be nice, you should say it as your wife Helga would say it. Ah, because she, she would be in her, her, her East well, Tennessee accent. She probably would leave out half of this stuff and just say, "Y'all know what I mean." <laughs> you know what I'm saying. You know I what I'm trying to say. I would say yes. Yeah, I would smile and say yes. 
In listening to the podcast about heaven, I feel like I heard you say that anyone who wants to be there will be. There are scriptures that make it sound like getting into heaven isn't as easy as just saying we believe, like in Matthew, the rich man, or the eye of the needle, about, or about the road being narrow and if only if you find it. Those are all good references. All right, back to their question. Yet there are other verses that make it sound like all that is required is to just profess belief in Jesus, like John 3.16. So can you help me understand this? Is someone who says they believe but don't have a life evident of that going to be in heaven, the same as someone who clearly has given their life to following Jesus. I think I want to start this conversation with a discussion of the idea of what faith means. Okay. Because I think that's where, because in the question, you mentioned several different things you say. In some places, it sounds like all you got to do is believe. And then there are other places where it sounds like, no, there's more to it than that. Mm. And I, I think that comes uh, as a misunderstanding of what that word we translate as faith or believe really means. And uh, I just sent you guys, I don't know if you actually had a chance to listen to it. I was listening to a podcast just the other day. It was a biblical <laughs> scholar who was going into the, the way that our Bibles are translated a little bit deeper. And he made the point, and I think it's a really smart point. He said the word that we typically um, translate as faith or to believe actually is the way we talk about it. We often refer to it as something as you think, right. something that you uh, just, you come to the right conclusions about something. And that's what people mean when they say the word faith or believe. But he said in the ancient world, that word actually had more to do with an allegiance to that's someone right. than it did the beliefs about it. So, um, so I think that may be a, a source of some of the confusion because they're saying, well, it says all you got to do is believe. But then over here, it sounds like you got to do more than just think something different. And so I would say your observation is correct that the Bible does talk about. But what you're not what you're seeing is not a distinction between two ideas. They are actually one and the same. I think we just misunderstood it. Am I making sense? Yeah, I think in the terms of what, what you're saying there is I think most often the way it gets presented um, and I don't know if Christianity has always been presented this way, but certainly in the last couple hundred years, the way it gets presented is, um, uh, as far as like, the way, even the way they said of professing belief, mm -hmm. John 3.16 doesn't say if you profess that you believe, That's you right. will get eternal life. But that is the way it gets said to us. Yep. Is It's almost like you, anyone who wants a free paid vacation mm -hmm. can have it as long as you call this 1-800 number. And as long as you call the 1-800 number. Or even less of that. If you say you want it, all you got to do is say you right. want it. Yeah. You just say you want it, it'll show up. Yeah. But in the in the sense of what you're talking about, I didn't listen to that particular podcast, but I've, I, a few books I've read about uh, about kind of ancient Near Eastern cultures and the way that it worked is the example they used is this idea of the word pistis, which gets translated yeah. as faith, faith, is a response always to charis, which is what we translate as grace. Mm -hmm. It's always a free gift. And they said... The, the easiest way for us to understand is the movie The Godfather. They said because that is what is often referred to in these kind of uh, relationships that these these head of households used to be, that it wasn't always just your parent. It would often be an employer or someone like that or just a really high up person in a community who would do favors and would take care of people that were in his household. And in response to that, they would go, 
And at some point, because of being in this relationship, there will be things that are required of part of your thing in mm-hmm. that you, not necessarily even earning it, mm-hmm. it's a response to the gift you were given, yep. is that you would have allegiance to me. And they said, now, obviously, that's a that's kind of a funny ver- way to think of it, because in the Godfather contest, it's a mob boss. And that, mm-hmm. you know, yep. one day I'll call upon you for a favor, <laughs> that kind of thing. But that, that was always seen as a very good and healthy thing in those cultures, that that's how you would get things done. That if you couldn't... Uh, afford things, if you couldn't have the kind of life you needed, if you got in some kind of legal trouble, you got in some kind of health trouble, Mm -hmm. you would go to this person who had more resources than you and you would say, you know, uh, they would give you this gift and you would respond with a relationship. So as far as what this means in the context of our relationship with God is we know that through Jesus, we have a free gift of grace. There's nothing I had to do to earn that. Mm -hmm. He gives that to me. And when I want to be adopted into this household of God, this family of God, the way that that works is I respond with faith, with allegiance, allegiance. with you. And the way it works for us is he's our king. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the king. And so when he commands something like love one another, mm-hmm. forgive one another, encourage one another, all the different kind of things we see throughout the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of the New Testament, the way that I prove my faith mm-hmm. is through my allegiance to Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean I get it right every time. That's right. But it, it is, am I am I aligning myself with Jesus? And that, I think, is exactly what James is trying to say in the entire second chapter of his right. book is how faith and works are together yeah. and they are not, they cannot be separated. So, so again, we, we go back to the original Problem is we've we do separate though. We think well, there's a way to believe, but then there's a way to to live like it. Right. And those two things are and and he, what I think James is trying to do is bring those back together and say no 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 you you can't separate those two. They are one and the same. One follows the other. One proves that the other has taken place. It's not a I think differently. Now I'm going to go actually figure out how to live that out. No, my living out of my allegiance, back to that word, is what shows who I am aligned with or who I'm uh, allied to. And I think there's a part of us that even describing this, some of us feel like, ooh, that feels like that's a gift with a string attached. It does. And what one of these books I've read, which is, uh, I believe it's, it's a long title, it's, misinterpreting scripture with or interpreting scripture through western eyes or something like that Mm -hmm. but the idea behind it is if you could see through the eyes of ancient near eastern people and he talks about he has done ministry over in like indonesia Mm -hmm. and also in iran which their cultures are a little closer to the cultures that the bible was written in Mm -hmm. that jesus lived in he said they actually have a phrase that is every gift comes with strings attached and it's a good thing that what they mean is every time you give a gift, that creates a bond, a relationship. That means that person who gave me that gift, I now feel, and not obligated in a bad sense, in a sense of, wow, I feel so, oh, I'm so lucky I'm so to grateful. be that person. I'm so grateful. I want to be with them. And because they gave me the gift, they feel a little bit of obligation of, and I need to keep taking care of them. Mm-hmm. And he says what happens in our culture, because we're so individualistic, is we would prefer every gift to have no strings attached even as the giver, that there's a part of me that when someone needs help, I go, I'd rather just give money and not have to go sit and listen to you talk. Right. I'd rather not, I just can I just give money to that problem and not have to go do anything with it? And he says, God is a God that when he gives gifts, there are relational strings attached that God goes, I don't want to just free you from your sin. 
I want to have this relationship. And so I think in terms of this question, Mm -hmm. we're saying not anyone who wants a free paid vacation without God forever to a pleasure factory in the sky one day, Mm -hmm. they will get that. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is anyone who wants the gift of relationship with God Mm -hmm. forever, all it takes is to have faith and say, yes, I'm with you. And I want to be with you. The difficulty is a lot of us, and this would be there's a lot of us that want the pleasure factory in heaven that's right. and don't want relationship with God. Yes. And sometimes that's me. Mm-hmm. And all of us have that struggle. And that's the point of faith is do I really want a relationship where I'm so grateful that what Jesus did on the cross for me, I'm so grateful. And I'm so grateful for every day that God wakes me up. It doesn't feel like an obligation to forgive another. It doesn't feel like an obligation to to be a part of the Christian community of the church and go, man, I want to encourage these people. That all feels like part. Those are the strings, the good strings that are attached to the gift of grace of, wow, he is. And sometimes you're pull. He's pulling me along with that gift, those strings. Sometimes I'm like, man, I'm just so thankful. Oh, he's empowering me to do the things and be the person I really do want to be. Mm hmm. I, I know for sure, and I think about you talk about the strings pulling me along. I know if there had been no commitment in my marriage mm-hmm. at some point, I mean, there are just times where it's hard. It's hard to relate to people even when you love them. It's easier just to bail. Yes. And the fact that I had said I wouldn't, mm-hmm. yep. and the fact that we were committed to each other gave me that enough to keep going in the relationship, and I became the person I really did want to be when I made the promise. Mm-hmm. I wasn't that person. You know, I, I think about that as, you know, the moment I got, the moment I, be, I said to Becky, I want to marry you, and then we stood in front of a p- person, and they said, now you're husband and wife. I was fully a husband that moment. I had no clue what it meant to be a husband. Yes. 42 years later, I still probably don't know all of what it's going to mean to me in life, but I know more now. I had all the responsibilities and the privileges of it, but I had to grow into it all along the way. But it started with the fact that I gave a commitment. There was this person, I said, I love you. And they said, I love you too. I want to marry you. I want to marry you too. And it felt like a gift to me when she said that to me. Mm-hmm. It felt like quite an amazing thing. But along the way, there's been responsibilities and things that haven't felt as gift-like. Mm-hmm. But they have grown me to the person that I want to be. And, you know, I, I say all that. I know that's a little off track on this is... It, Every you you all have been saying it. Every gift comes with a, a responsibility, and, and it's not a gift if I don't. Because we know, I recently was talking to someone who I love, and they were talking about their early on in their marriage, and it was a little difficult. They were saying they said it was honestly really hard. There were days they just didn't want to go home, and I said, you know, there's a phrase in the NBA which is uh, for a playoff series, uh, the series doesn't start until you lose at home, and I said I don't think marriage starts. Real marriage doesn't start until the day you don't want to go home. Mm-hmm. I said that all of us have a day where I go, man, I, I just, I'm, I'm, this is difficult. And having to sit with them and be next to them, I don't know if I want to. I said, but the fact that you went home and you said, I committed to this person that I'm going to be here. And this is difficult right now. And this isn't easy to me. And I said, there's a sense in our culture that what it should be is at that point, 
fire. You, you don't want to be in a marriage where you don't want to go home. <laughs> right. Well, that's never that's never true. And I recently heard um, one of my favorite theologians, Stanley Howarth, who said, "What most of us think freedom means is I shouldn't have to be held accountable for decisions." that I made when I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And he said, if that was true, marriage would be unintelligible because who could ever know what they were committing to when they first got married? And he said, Mm -hmm. parenting's even worse. He said, because the struggle with parenting is you never get the kids you want. (laughs) He said, said, if you could have known beforehand all the struggles of parenting, you probably would not have said yes. But the fact that you got into it and you said, I love these kids and I'm committed to these kids. And there are days as a dad that you go, you sit in the driveway and you go, I don't know if I can walk in that house today. But you make yourself walk in the yeah. house. But well, isn't that the definition of love right yes, there? Yes, yes, it is. Because, see, if I had had the power to, to commit to everything that I knew and pick and choose the things that I wanted there's something about that that is unloving because it is now me focused. Yep. But yep. the fact that I said, I'm jumping in, I don't know what's coming, yep. but I'll jump in and I will be with you right? regardless of how that goes. Right. That it, to me, and, and that is the definition of love. Therefore, it, it's what we see God doing for us. Well, and often yes, I, right. I just say again in marriage, it hasn't been so much for me often just because of the nature of our two lives and uh Becky has often been more godlike in that there was very little I had to put up with, but there were times where I had done things that not going home and having to tell her how I had messed up again sure. or that something had been misunderstood and somebody was upset or something and that she had now bought into my mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. You know, it would have been just way easier to start the whole thing over yes. and to walk away but because we didn't, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about love. Anyway, I still stand by the fact mm-hmm. that everyone who wants, and when mm-hmm. I say want, I mean I mean more than, oh, yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. I mean, you, you want to direct your life toward it. I hear a lot of people, Nathan keeps using the pleasure factory thing, and people lean into the illustration Jesus used of, in my father's house are many rooms, yeah. uh, is the real translation, but they say many mansions. mansions. Yeah. And that I'm going to get to be somewhere, and I won't have to be around God very much. Mm. Well, that's because you don't even understand the nature of God now. You are around God 100% of the time right now, you just, because God is hiding himself for your benefit, mm. you can live unaware. In heaven, you will never be unaware that you are fully in God's presence. And if you don't like that, yeah. if you don't want that, if it doesn't, I mean, if you don't enjoy the moments now where you're in God's presence, like you have to endure them, well, heaven would be misery to you because mm-hmm. you don't really want it. But if you just think of it as some pleasure factor where you're going to get every dream you want and occasionally you have to go up and show up and talk to God because he's in the big house, mm-hmm. man, that is not the way it is. God inhabits every space of the universe that he created and all, he created all of them. Mm-hmm. There's no place you're going to be that you can ever escape him. And so if you want that, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want it, you can have that. But if you don't want it, well, you don't want it. And, and, I, and, and so God yeah. created a place for that. And I also want to be clear, too, on this. This was the last point that I wanted us to touch on is that the person who asked the question brings up this idea of, you know, there are some people that 
pretty evident that that's what they want. They, there's a, there's a, there's a life that I see them living out that shows their allegiance to God. But then there's others that just kind of profess it and there's no evidence. Is there a distinction? Will both of these people be in God's presence when the time comes? And, and I, first of all, to just quickly answer that question, I have no idea because I'm not God and I don't know I, and I don't know the state of a person's heart. It's not heart. my job to it's determine It's not my that. job to determine it. However, the, the Bible does speak to this, and I thought it was important to bring this up, that there is a time in 1 Corinthians 3 when Paul talks about who w- winds up in the, the new heavens, the new earth, the coming kingdom that we are, you know, our destiny is for. He talks about a process that we all have to go through, and it's become one of the scriptures I go back to again and again and again these days because it really speaks to a lot of this. And I'll just read it, and then we can talk about it a little bit because there's going to be a process that's going to take place in all of us. And here's what Paul says. He says, because of God's grace to me, this is 1 Corinthians 3.10, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we have already we already have, which is Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. It's a picture of what's going to happen. See, he talks about the foundation being Jesus, and we all stand on that foundation. And then we, some of us build on that foundation, and we build on it, and he's talking about your life, basically. It's an image for your life, the kind of life that you build, the kind of relationship you foster with Jesus all along the way. And then when, when the time comes and we move from this life to the next, the stuff that isn't of God, and more plainly, the stuff that isn't based on love, right? All goes away. It's it's like walking through a fire, and everything that was that can't go into that next next uh, place, that next age, it goes away, and you come through this fire, and and you and, and it gets shown for what it really is. And I think that's what you're alluding to in the question: is there are some people that you see that's got one thing, and other people that seem to have just sort of a a, a surface level faith. And the truth is, all the stuff that isn't isn't genuine, right? It, it's going to be. It's going it, We're going to get all that stripped away from us, and we'll only be left with what really matters in the end. So I, I, I say all that because I think that's an important point to what you're asking the question of. Just, am, Does everybody get to go in? Yeah. The people who it's really apparent to everybody they really want to be with God because in this life Mm -hmm. they're living their life that way. That's right. And people who just make a profession. This passage, you know, there's a purification process going on. It's happening right now. God's in the process of purifying us. And a part of what we want to do in the sanctification, it's a big word, of the maturing process. Mm -hmm. And the maturing process is that when I get to that final point, process, there's not as much that has to go away because mm-hmm. God has already helped me through my life take it away. Because the the truth is, if I build all of it out of hay and straw, if it's all found out to be loss, mm-hmm. how great the loss is for the person. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> that would be a terrible thing. So I don't have to judge who's where. Mm. 
And the good thing is, it's a good thing for me that God is refining me. And it will be a good thing on the last day. Whatever gets burned away from my life that I didn't get refined, that will be a good thing Mm -hmm. as well. And I'll be thankful for it because all that will be left is love between me and the Father, which is what I really wanted. And so that, back to the point, is the thing I would encourage someone who's struggling with that or asking this question is, if you make your relationship with God about love for the love for God, love for people, which Jesus said was the thing that mattered most, that's the kind of stuff that you will carry with you. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of stuff that will endure till the end and go on for eternity. But anything else that's 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 tied up in your uh, relationship with God, you're going to lose it. Yeah. And 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 the people that you're looking out trying to decide was well, he going to make it and she going to get in? Again, you 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 don't know that, and it really doesn't matter. Just know that everything that's that you see that is superficial or not, and 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 the parts that you know, like we we were just talking about that at times I I don't want God the way I should. All that's going to be gone away with, done away with. The most important thing for you to focus on in your life right now are those things, the love between you and God and love of his people, because those are the things that are going to prepare you for that existence once we get there. And you will certainly, I think the scripture is pretty clear on this, our capacity for enjoyment of God in his presence will only be uh, grow, will only grow mm-hmm. through that process as well. So um I hope that answers the question. Do you think we? we got I, I know. I know there will be people that are frustrated that we didn't give a you know straight out yes no answer. I think yeah. I, in my way, understanding we did. I it feels like to me the person, and, and this may not. This may be me reading my own mail with people I know close to me. I know so many people of my age who are very concerned about children their age. Mm. I mean, children of theirs who made a profession at some point, but now are not living like that. I'm going to assume that this particular question answer is not the person who just wants to make a profession mm-hmm. that they are not the person yeah. said hey I made a profession do I have to do anything else yeah I don't think that's where they are if that's where you are that you're trying to look at a, a person's life that you really care about and you want to figure out where they are that's in my opinion it's useless behavior mm. what you need to do is figure out how can I love this person in a way that eventually I have enough influence that I can help de- de- I can be a part of God's discipling them. I can't push it into them. I can't make them do anything because they're full-grown humans. But how can I love them to the point that I might have influence that I could help them on the path that God is taking me? All I want to do is help people down the path that I'm taking them. I can't ever judge where they are on the path because that's between them and God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think with that, I, I hadn't necessarily thought that point that you were making about maybe that's where some people, whether it's the question asker, I think people listening maybe on that on that same spot of I'm worried about this person where their where their faith is. And I think that's the nature of every parent. I think parents feel the same. I mean, every parent feels that way for their kids. I know I feel that with my kids. And, you know how can I how can I best set them up to, to fall in love with Jesus and with His church? But I think you know part of the nature of becoming like Christ is to love people, even though you can't make them make the right decision. And uh, this is to agree with all that Ed said of loving them. So you hope you have influence, but even if you never have influence, right. uh, to just continue to love them um, 
I mean, that's part of even this question, because the flip side of this question is, if everyone who wants to get into heaven can get into heaven, who would ever choose hell? And the, the idea of that is, is that God loves people enough to allow people to choose a life apart from him. And that's the hard part of every parent, is every mm-hmm. parent has to understand as well. I have to allow either my children can choose life apart from me, but they can also choose life apart from God. And I think, well, is I- there a way for me to love them and I may not even have influence in their life, but I continue to love them and I continue to pray for them and I continue to hold them before God. Um, and I'll never know, I guess, until you know eternity how that all worked out between them and God. I may never get to know. Um, I, I do think, to be honest, I do think we're not going to know until eternity. Yeah. Oh, sure. I have, yeah. I have done lots of funerals of people that I am convinced I will see in heaven. But if I get there and they're not there, I, it's not like I think God did something wrong. That's right. There was just stuff I didn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was well, a, you know, and, and there I expect there going to be a bunch of people there that I wasn't sure about, and they go, "Oh, look at there, good for you." <laughs> well, you I, know? Think, I think even the the danger sometimes with you know, and this is the truth with any kind of theological thought you have, but even I know a lot of believers who. Um, even with the stuff we were talking about there, you know, things will be purified in the fire. And a lot of Christians are like, well, I'll just wait. Yeah. That, that thing's gonna be, it's gonna get purified in heaven. Mm-hmm. I, you know, no one's perfect. So mm-hmm. there's no reason to work on that because when I'm in heaven, I ain't gonna struggle with that. And what I've said to people before is, I don't think God's main concern is what's gonna happen once you get to heaven. Yeah. The concern is sin has a way in which of turning my heart from God. Yeah. And Hebrews talks a lot about trying to make sure people don't drift Mm -hmm. and that we don't drift away that there is a way in which if i'm just kind of relying on well when i get to heaven that's Mm -hmm. not going to be a problem for me sin has a way in which uh, pride makes it where a humble gentle god is not attractive to me yeah uh you know unforgiveness and grudge there's there are people i think god shouldn't forgive and so that's not very attractive and i think uh, that's that's a big part for me is realizing that uh how often i make god in my image um and the fact that there are times that I come to church or I read something in Scripture and I hear something about God and I go, oh, I'm not sure I like that. That that may be good for my heart for me to realize if God always agrees with me that he's probably not God. Um, and there are things that should make me uncomfortable and make me want to change a little bit. Um, even, you know, the further I get into my faith and the you know, purification, all that. There are still more that I look at. And so I think even with those things, you know, uh, with everything that we're saying, the goal is to want God. The goal is I want to want God anymore. And sin has a way of keeping me from wanting God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I really like I really like sin. And I really <laughs> want to hold on well, to that. And I, I think people want a lot of assurance for someone else. Sure. That's normally when I talk to somebody about do you believe in eternal security? They rarely are talking about themselves. They want it for someone else. And the truth is, the only person I can be sure about their relationship with God is me. That's right. I, I know the relationship I have with God, and I have to be honest about that. And I can look at what other people do. And as we you know, euphemistically say, fruit inspector, I can see good fruit. What I think is good fruit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I cannot judge their relationship with God. I only know my relationship with God, and I love everyone else. I love other people. I love God. I love everyone else, but I only know my relationship with Him. Yes.
All right. So I hope uh, that clarifies it. And, and I do appreciate the person sending that question in because um, I, I do see where uh, that statement that we made could have gotten, you know, misunderstood. So thanks for giving us a chance to clear that up. I hope we did. We probably gave you a bunch more. And much more questions. <laughs> but that's the nature of it. The more yeah. we talk, the more questions we raise. And that's OK. I mean, this is part of the whole journey. You know, yep. we're, we're trying to do this together. So thanks for the question. Uh, next week, uh, we've got uh, a question from somebody on on the topic of joy. And I don't think we've ever talked about it in this way before. So uh, I'm looking forward to having that discussion, particularly the first part of the question. Uh, y'all, it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, come back next week. We'll talk about that. See you then.